Welcome to the Core Concept Podcast. In this episode, the conversation revolves around the topic of technology adoption in schools, and my primary focus is the use of devices in the classroom to support learning. I asked Michelle Williams to explore this topic with me, as she has a lot of experience introducing technology to younger students for more effective math lessons. Michelle's perspective is actually quite exceptional and it's very relevant as she often works with underprivileged students to close achievement gaps. She supports her intervention with devices and apps that her students use to develop their understanding. Listening to Michelle is a real eye-opener for people like you and I who take technology for granted. Some of Michelle's students have never seen a large-screen iPad or a Chromebook before she brought them into the classroom. Her work illustrates how technology can be a true teaching aid, not just a gizmo or a superfluous add-on. In our 30-minute conversation, we discussed why technology shouldn't be seen as a distraction but rather a necessity, what the benefit of putting students into their teacher's shoes are, how Michelle succeeds in getting the devices she needs for students, and what suggestions Michelle has for teachers who have so far avoided technology. When recording, I realized it would have been good to have this podcast before, during my previous meetings with countless teachers who worried about the risks of using technology or the struggle to get access to it in the first place. I hope what Michelle shared will be inspiring. And most of all, that it will help you see how both useful and inevitable edtech is. And now, without further ado, I bring you Michelle Williams. I'm here with Michelle Williams. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Michelle, you're an expert in teaching math to students with help of technology, and I'm glad you could join me today to discuss the right use of technology in the classroom. And by the right use, I mean the beneficial one, of course, the the one which improves students' engagement and learning outcomes. And I don't think it is trivial as many might think so, because often technology in the classroom seems like a bunch of computers in the corner, right? Right. But there's so much more than that. Computers or tablets are tools and they need to be used in the right way in a context of a lesson, of course. And in the classroom, the comprehension is the goal. Here we're looking at the use of technology that doesn't even fit the regular definition of what we mean by IT, the information technology. The main purpose of devices is less to inform, less to calculate, but to surprisingly humanize the learning at scale. And I hope that's a good starting point of our discussion. (laughs) So if you could tell us how you got to the point of deploying technology to support learning. So for me, I've been teaching for 21 years, and I think I came to a crossroads in my um, my career in about 2016-17, when I realized that the literacy rate for my students was decreasing. That was the first thing. And then my students were 
not indep as independent as they needed to be, especially my higher level learners. I've always worked with um, underprivileged children in underserved communities. So that has been my career. So when I realized I had this high achieving group, but yet they weren't independent. So I just started playing around with Flip Classroom and it started on Twitter. You know, in the schools that I work at, it's frowned upon because they have this whole prescription. It's as if, oh, the children in the fluent schools, they can have access to these opportunities. And the children that I teach, you know, we get this prescriptive, no creativity, no innovation. So I just started doing things on my own to really break the mold. And then I started attending these ed camps. So it's like the, it's called the unconference um, type of conference. So teachers would get together on a Saturday and some school districts were hosted and we would just create topics that we wanted to talk about. So I would go to into these affluent areas to see what was actually taking place to bring it back to the students that I actually teach. And that's where it all began. <laughs> what point you realize that technology can be helpful in the process of teaching? Because that's, that's really the most important part to realize that technology is not a distraction. It's actually beneficial. Was it right. during I those... Yeah, it was during that time because I saw that in these affluent school districts and the teachers, like for us, um, one of the school districts is KDISD and they were hosting an ed camp. And I went out there and I learned about these platforms that my district was not pushing because we're an urban school district. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And I think it was play posit. It's not even called that anymore. So this was years ago. And I was like, oh, okay. So I ended up, they would give out door prizes for tech. And I ended up winning a subscription. And then it went on from there from PlayPosit. Then I won a subscription to Flipgrid, which was a um, paid service back then before Microsoft took it over and made it free. And that's how it started. I was like, okay, a lot of teachers in my area and teach kids that I teach, they generally see technology as not something that can enhance instruction, but takes away from their instruction, especially math teachers. Mm -hmm. We don't see it as something that releases us to where it helps our students become independent thinkers. That's exactly the point. They see it as something that, you know, adds to the complexity and steals time away, right? Right. They do because they think they're like the kids are off task. Well, they're off task anyway. We deal with that on a daily basis. But technology, you know, for me, it's it's rooted in what life am I preparing my students for? So for example, when I talk to teachers, I'm like Who'd have thought you could have a career being a social media manager? So those things like that, like we, what are we preparing them for? We don't even know, but I know technology 
is going to be a huge part of it. And it changes their earning potential um, when they know and can apply and use it with mathematics. Okay, but that's the part of knowing. So you realize that early on. And what was the first step in application of that knowledge? When you brought to the classroom, when, what was it back then? A tablet, computer? Yeah, we. when I got to school, because I was in uh, some schools that were in corrective action. That just means that they were had an intervention plan from the state because they had these low test scores. When I got there, we had three computers per class. I was like... <laughs> yeah, what am I going to do with that? And we don't have the human capital. And that was one of the things that I was like, I have all these kids that are working below grade level. It's just one of me. Yeah. And what I realized when I got my first set of um, Chromebooks from Donors Choose, it, it was a rough ride. Um, they didn't give me all the computers at once. I, I had to put in keep putting in projects until I got enough for uh, thir enough 30 computers. But starting out with that, I realized that I needed, if I was going to improve student outcomes, I needed something where I knew my students, they were struggling readers. Uh -huh. A lot of my students struggle with math and the technology was a place where, okay, I could put YouTube videos in Google Classroom. I can make videos for my students when, while I'm in class so they can still be engaged in learning while I'm working with small groups of students. Okay, so that was the first thing you applied? Right. Okay. That was the very first thing. I see places where technology already exists. It is there in the classroom, but this human mm -hmm. capital thing, the understanding how to use you know, the skills of deploying them, for the purpose of teaching are missing. And it is because we see technology and I think it's the misapplication that in the world they don't see they're like, okay, we the parents, some of them are shoving, you know, technology in little kids' faces. But it does help and it works because my grandson is four years old and he was falling apart because he couldn't write the letter four or a on, I have a dry erase easel for him to, to write on. Uh -huh. And I found an app. I was like, look, no, let the app help you because <laughs> I'm only one person. So uh -huh. it's the same application in the classroom. It does not supplant teaching. It supplements and helps where we don't have the other person there because when he's here he's everywhere so yeah it, it it's a supplement not supplant and change the way we teach it just multiplies and helps kids see it and make them independent because he does that on his own it's the yeah. same concept so i get that that you're splitting the group to those students that can focus on something they already know. YouTube is very familiar to them, right? It's just wow. a selection of material that you're presenting to them through YouTube and the group that needs your attention. So that's one of the outcomes of humanizing the process of working with technology in the classroom. It makes you more available to those students that are at, at need. Um, but that's, I understand that's the first step because I imagine 
the way to use technology in the, in the classroom is also to give students this ability to express what they know, right? Exactly. With the, and it, it gives them ability to express what they know in their own creative space. So yeah, like right. when I started using Flipgrid, my English language learners, kids that were learning English and English not their first language, it opened up a different possibility because they were, they didn't have people judging them on the way that they enunciate or pronounce a word. It opened up something where they could say, okay, if I don't get it right, I can delete this video and do it again. So exactly. mm -hmm. in their own creative space, it gave them the opportunity so for in the classroom, if I don't understand something, oh, I know where I can go to get it. It's not necessarily a textbook, but in my own way, do I consume information? Do I need the teacher to be there? It, it just opens up a different possibility to where the learning is not always on the teacher, but now they have taken ownership of their own learning. But also... By the process of them recording themselves, they also build the awareness of what they really know, right? It's this right. situation when you put student into shoes of teacher, you're just flipping the roles, and now student needs to record himself on the, to the device, right? They do it on their devices, and they immediately see the blind spots in what they understand, in what they are able to communicate. It turns out that until you have to teach something, you have to really overcome all of those delusions of how much you really know. So it's it it's immediately pushes you to the situation of necessity where you need to fill in the gaps in your knowledge. Do you use this method often? I do. I mm -hmm. use it often. And even when I go back, I have some eighth graders that are really struggling. And as I am on break, as I think about what tools I'm going to use, that's one of the things that I'm going to use because it doesn't help them that I know how to present the information. I need them to tell me the information in the way that they synthesize it and the way that it makes sense to them. And I can't capture that in class because it's 30 of them. <laughs> I can't do it. And I have some kids that are English language learners, and I need to be able to capture that moment. And I've had that happen. I had a little boy I'll never forget in fifth grade. He was one of my top students. But I couldn't ever figure out. I was like, why is he not getting adding mixed numbers? I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. So he did a flip grid video and there it was i found the misconception is because he was <laughs> adding the whole numbers first and then doing the fractions but that was expressed in the video oh, i see that was a <laughs> nice opportunity <laughs> to understand his thinking oh nice right but the best thing about this this method is that you not only you see the way they, they think because it's captured, they also practice their skills of, you know, expression. So you yes. have like, you know, you kill the two birds with one stone, as they say, right? <laughs> yeah. And it gets them ready because I have like a film strip and they have to actually script out what they're going to say. So I see it on the written end and I actually see it on the video. 
And I was telling them, you know, like when people are on television, they don't just get up there and start talking. They map out what they're going to say. I said, even in television or um, yeah, on the news, yeah. I said they have scripts. Yeah. But on the flip side, being a devil's advocate, I could say, oh, it's still time consuming. You have to go through all of those videos, right? So how you accomplish that, Michelle? It's no different than checking papers. <laughs> so I, <laughs> like I still have to go through their work. Yeah. But it's more engaging for me to look at a video and really see how they're thinking. Because with mathematics, problem solving doesn't start on paper. It starts here with mm -hmm. mind, mm -hmm. how you're thinking. The problem solving process starts with how do you process it? And we can't capture that until it's on paper. So if I see it on the video before they even get like a test, I can correct that. And I've been successful in that, in that way, not well, delaying testing kids to see if I can correct it before it's on paper. Right. Right. Hmm. <laughs> so this is, this is great. How about, have you tried, um, have you tried using technology for students to work together to some extent? Yeah, we, uh -huh. we have, um, I know with the Explain Everything, we've done some collaborations with two. And mm -hmm. as I, I'm sitting here talking to you, I was like, how can I use Explain Everything? Because my students have, we're a one-to-one -one campus and we have touchscreen uh -huh. computers. How can I use that to help them with, like, my kids are struggling with geometry. And geometry is vocabulary, but... The brain thinks in pictures. How can I use that whiteboard to where they can demonstrate their understanding of these geometry concepts? Like who does parallel lines cut by a transversal? And like they, you know, I need to know, do you understand that concept? And, you know, that's one of the things that I'm looking at to see how I can get them to collaborate with, because they sit in pairs in my classroom on something like that right because it would create the situation of cooperative learning right so students yeah. can help um, each other solving problems they might not be able to solve in solitude right but together they can yeah because i have this um protocol it comes from a kagan strategy it's called rally coach well one of the students is the teacher and the other student is the coach so the uh -huh. student, I would give them a problem and they would coach them through it and then they reverse roles. But I was thinking about, you know, how can I use their whiteboard to actually get that done? So just transferring what we do okay. in the classroom to something that's more tangible and more engaging and motivating for the student. Yeah, there are, there, are, there are a lot of possibilities, and the word, the keyword that you use is transformation, right? So yes. this is this is exactly what I wanted to ask you about because there are like at least two ways to implement technology in the classroom. One way is when the teacher gets the tablet and then starts to use this digital whiteboard instead of a physical one. But mm -hmm. here we're dealing with this like you know substitution kind of like a way of using technology. Uh, instead of using physical boards, there's a digital one with some nice additional features, but it's still, it's not transformation, 
right? Mm -hmm. And the other way is to have tablets for entire class, right? And mm -hmm. allow the process of learning to transform into something that was not possible without the use of technology, like the example you just provided, right? Wow. Uh, I guess the first one is easier and cheaper. Yes. Right? But you successfully were able to accomplish, you know, the introduction of technology using the second second method. Could you tell us more how you exactly did that? Because this is this is an, this is a real obstacle for many teachers. It is, and technology is expensive. And if we haven't learned anything about the cell phone, is that yeah. technology is obsolete as soon as they put it out. They start working on a different version. But I think teachers have to be creative in that way. There are a lot of companies that would love to get their products in the hands of teachers, but you just have to ask. Donors Choose is big in the U.S., uh, if you have parents that work for companies, uh, that's another way, you know, but you have to think outside of this box. The school district is not going to provide for our needs. And I just had to really understand that and really come to terms with like, if I want my students, which my vision, it starts with a vision. I want my students to be productive citizens. I want them to be able to have this huge earning potential. And I have to do that with technology. So what do I need to do to get this technology in the hands of my students? Mm -hmm. So when I'm out, and especially when I see companies like 3M, I get on their... <laughs> their page. I message them. I DM them. I tweet to them on Twitter. So, you know, you have to ask for what you want. And there some will turn you down. And but you continue to move because I guarantee you there's a company out there that is willing to help. So yeah. Yeah, I, I seen those successful principles doing just that, being very persistive, you know, the pushing, pushing until they got what they needed. And that's that's usually um, investment of having like 30 devices for a single class, because then it's easy to prove that it really works. But exactly. this first step is quite important. And it's a it's just it's it's time consuming and it, it, it requires a lot of effort. And that's why my other question is, well, students usually carry their own devices in their pockets, right? So why not this bring your own device method of using the technology that they already have for the teaching? Have you tried that? I did. Uh -huh. I did. And I'm going to be honest with you. Please. Our colleagues can be stumbling blocks. And I'm saying that affectionately. Uh-huh. They when I did it, I was desperate. I had this one <laughs> class. I had three classes, but it's always one class that you're like, yeah, they're about to make me resign. So I had this one class and I could nothing that I put out there was working with them. So Going back to the Flipgrid, when I got the one, the subscription to it, I was like, bring your phone. 
And I had actually the teacher specialist at the time, she was like, I wouldn't do that. I was like, look, desperate times call for desperate measures. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it worked like it was the catalyst that actually grasped their attention because this was a rough class. And after I got their attention, I could introduce other things. So we worked on focusing on that because the technology, it grabs their attention and where I couldn't get that. I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And we used their phone and that actual class made huge gains. And then I introduced Google Classroom to them mm -hmm. and just different things. You know, but that that was the catalyst that started everything. And I tell teachers, if you have phones, don't be afraid to use them because kids need to see that their phones are more than Instagram uh, opportunities. But they but they are actually devices that can teach, help you and aid you in learning. Mm -hmm. Well, Obviously, this is less controlled environment if you allow students to use their phones. But I understand what you're saying. This is like, if you have to, you do that. And then gradually you could switch to more control environment yes. with the devices you have in the school, right? Yeah, but I think you uh -huh. said an important word, control. Yeah. Because sometimes we're control freaks. As teachers, we are. Like, we want to control everything. But you have to be able to trust the kids enough to say, okay, they're children. And a lot of them exploit and they're going to be off task. Like it's, it's, it's natural. When we go to trainings, we do the same thing. We flick to other websites when we're on computers. So it's, it's, it's natural. <laughs> it's a natural process, but you redirect the kids and make sure they're on task. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your suggestions to those teachers that are just afraid or were too afraid to use technology uh, with students? What first steps you would suggest? It starts with a vision. What do you want for your students? You have to know what you want for them. What I, like I said, my goal for my students are to be productive citizens and to actually increase their earning power potential as they move through the school system. And everybody's not going to college. Some kids are going to be entrepreneurs. Some may do these amazing things, but you'll never know if you don't give them the opportunity. And that's what I want to um, spark in my students. I had a student, he said like, I want to own my own business. So like knowing these things about them, it's like, what can I do to introduce and get them to see the possibility. I have kids that are construction workers. How can I help them see the value in technology to get, you know, these huge contracts? So like, that's what I envision for my students, but it starts with the vision. And then what tools do I need to make this vision come to life? And that's what makes me excited about introducing my students to tech. Because how can technology aid in these two goals? First of all, teaching the curriculum and also getting them to see what's possible in their own dreams. So that's the first step. It starts with a vision, a goal, and then, you know, look at the tools and see how 
you can make it happen for your students. Right. But it's already you you had accomplished so much with you with the use of technology. There must be something that you that surprised you in the process. <laughs> so tell us, can you share some story? What was it? What was so unexpected? Well, what was unexpected, first of all, is that my kids knew so little about computers because oh. I mm -hmm. was naive. I'm gonna be honest with you. I was naive because I thought that because they could work a cell phone, that computer, it was not, it did not transfer. So after learning and understanding that, it gave me like this sense, okay, I could teach them this. So I create, I can create websites. So I know how to create. So what I did this year is I actually taught my students and I had always wanted to do that. I taught them how to create a Google site using slope. And we went, I had them take their phones and take pictures of the land to make it real because that's one of our um, standards or student expectations. They took pictures of land, but like one of my kids was like, I just thought the land was like that. I said, no. I said, why do you think it slopes down? It controls the water. Like just it, it just opens up endless possibilities that paper and pencil cannot capture. I guess that's a that's a good punchline of the story. The, the, the possibilities are endless, and I hope that others can uh, find their preferred way of using technology because you're just like it's a it's a it's a box full of possibilities and every time when i speak with teachers they they are really able to surprise me with what they with the scenario or the method they, they come up with uh, when working with students is just just an amazing adventure watching them being successful with that yeah and it pushes you because like for me, with that actual um, activity, it was like, I could do this, then I yeah. could do this. Like, so it, it opens up opportunities for you to especially expand the opportunities for learning with your students. So now that they know how to put in drag and drop, I can add videos. We can go have them take pictures because they have cell phones to add to, you know, to enhance the website. What do you want to add to these things? You know, just different things. So, you know, if you don't try and you're afraid because you're like, I don't have all the things, you're not going to have all the things. Technology is ever evolving. So start with what, what, with what you have and let the kids explore with that. They have apps that you can make videos with. Um, InShot, they, I mean, they have so many things that you can do and the kids can upload it. You know, Google Sites is free. Google has a lot of free things that you can use. Perhaps the only thing that is so like, you know, creates friction in adopting technology is that we as, you know, teachers, we need to stay learners when using technology yes. because we learn all the time and we need to be just open for that. Would you agree? I agree. I think we need to kind of expand because like I tell people, teaching is what we do. It's not who we are. I have other interests. Like I was telling you, I have a YouTube channel, yeah. I do YouTube videos, and I share those interests with the kids. Like bring a part of you, 
you know, I think we kind of shut ourselves off to the kids, but like bring that to the classroom and it fuels innovation in your classroom because that's what I share with my kids, the love of YouTube and, you know, my kids asking me, well, how did you get so many followers? And they asked me about my Instagram account. How do you have so many followers? And we talk about content. So it's a balance, you know, but you have to bring that other part of you into the classroom because if you're shutting it off, it's just going to be, oh, this is it. But find the things that you love and share and bring that into the classroom and connect it with tech. You like music, you know, just different things. Mm -hmm. That's a very, very strong message, Michelle. And thank you for sharing your experiences with me and other teachers that are perhaps just getting started. So I hope this will be informative and, you know, encouraging for them to try new things and see how technology can help them and their students. Michelle, many thanks for sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you for having me. And I hope that this is helpful um, for the teachers that are listening, you know, just get out there, try it, and then try again. We love what you're doing, Michelle. Thank you again. Thank you.